Access granted. Entering now. Welcome to the Lodge Trip Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Lodge Trip Show. We have a special guest and someone who I called a teammate back in the day when I bass fished for Florida State University that's on the show today. Today on the show, we'll be getting to know the story and casting deep into the life of professional bass angler and Bassmaster Elite Series Pro, Drew Cook. We'll be diving into his journey, moving up through the ranks and reaching the highest level in all of bass fishing as professional, along with learning about his setbacks, the comebacks, failures and successes, and what it truly takes to be part of the 1% group of world-class performers that stand on the podium today. That being said, most don't quite know all that goes into the profession of bass fishing, and well, today, we're going to be much more informed on the truth and reality behind it all to be the best of the best in the sport of bass fishing. Drew. What's up? What's going on, man? Oh, not much, dude. Just trying to get all my ducks in a row before we start the year. Oh, well, looks like uh, you're right around, right around the corner there. Yeah, you know. It'll be yeah. here before we know it. I got the new boat uh, yesterday and went and dropped it off in Atlanta and get it rigged. So right on. We're getting there. Right on. Well, thank you for taking some time out of your day to be on the podcast, man. It's good to have you on. And I know that uh, I've talked about actually how um, when I've talked to people in the previous podcast about you and I, going to going to the same uh fishing for the same school and so go a little bit back a little bit so um kind of give a little insight about who mr drew cook is the people are listening that don't know who you are well i um you know, obviously my name is drew cook i'm from uh lake talquin florida which is you know just uh west of tallahassee and um i grew up bass fishing grew up on the lake and um you know started fishing in in the junior level um and fished into the high school side of it and then when i graduated high school i fished in college for for fsu where with you and um and then the year i graduated college i um i've always wanted to fish professionally fish on the elite series my whole life I um I was gonna give it a year and fish fish all the opens to try to qualify for the elites and um so I fished both divisions of the opens in 2018 and um you know had a really great year on the opens um qualified through the uh through the easterns also finished pretty high up in the centrals um you know had a had a good start uh, the first tournament of the year you know ended up in third down in Kissimmee and um. You know, had some really good finishes. Uh, came in second place to Patrick Walters on the on the Red River in Louisiana, and it just kind of I never really gotten away from uh, from kind of like the tri-state area. You know, like for college, we would go to you know Alabama, Pickwick, whatever. And if you made the national championship, then you could go you know somewhere that was really really different to you. But I never really had that that opportunity. So doing the opens, you know really opened my eyes about, you know, fishing places that I'd never been to and stuff, learn how to really study 
bodies of water before you ever saw them and that's that's it I qualified for the elite and um, last year was my my rookie year on the elite so i was fortunate enough to have a phenomenal year and um you know won rookie of the year and finished uh seventh in aoi um and i mean going into the last four days of of competition for the year last year i had like a 13 point lead in aoi and there's yeah. nothing more you could ask for um, <laughs> for your first year doing it. Dude, it's been awesome just seeing you, like, from college to where you're at now. And, you know, I definitely knew that you were going to do some great things. And I uh, was talking to a couple other dudes, and I was saying that, you know, I chose to not go that route and to see you do it and, and go make it for yourself and to be able to already have, you know, some good accomplishments being on elite series. I mean, that's a big, that's a big thing, man. I mean, there's so many people all over the country that want to be able to make it to elite series. And I know obviously that they have MLF out there, but that's obviously like its own thing, but making it to elite series is one of the biggest accomplishments you can make within the fishing world. So, you know, that's, I'm proud of you, man. I mean, it's good to see you and follow your journey and everything else. And uh, you deserve it, honestly. And that's one thing of where college fishing uh, kind of getting your, your opinion of it because some young people that are listening don't quite I mean maybe they understand it maybe they don't maybe the people that want to get into it uh when you're fishing college you can only make it really so far I mean you you talk about winning a, a national championship in, in college and then you end up going to the class like you go to that the college classic bracket okay and then you go to the classic and then if you win that you know that classic bracket then they'll pay for all your opens but it's almost better uh, fishing those, those opens, even by having the experience that you had traveling all over for the college tournaments. I think that really the opens is your ticket. And you start hearing that amongst a lot of the guys that are in the elite series right now is where they fished as many of the divisions that they could in the opens and really just put their time forth into that. And that's really the biggest thing in having the sponsors to be able to, you know, provide the money for them to be able to do those things. Yeah, I, I agree. But I mean, in all honesty, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't not not fish college. You want to fish as much, and I mean everything that you can. Yeah. The more you fish, the better you are at making decisions, and the better you'll actually be when you go to all these different bodies of water. And dude, yeah. I mean, I met some awesome friends that I mean I still have to this day from college fishing, right. and you know <laughs> I, you know, and even even meeting people like. Uh, that works for bass you know through the college deal that was so whenever i made the elites or you know was fishing the opens or whatever i already knew uh like emily hand and already knew trip and hank and everybody so it wasn't like uh you know i wasn't scared to to just go up and talk to them or call and ask for help or anything like that like hey what do i need to do for this that, that relationship was already there and i think that that has a lot to do with it you know yeah, it definitely does. It's hard to even explain to people that when you're all over the place and you like all over the place, when I mean the country fishing for college and it's such a more affordable way to do it. I would say like with fundraising, everything else to where you can be able to do things where sometimes the school will fund money, but obviously you have to be able to take it within your club to be able to raise the money, to be able to do the things you're doing, but you're getting experience without having to, pay as much money as the pros do for example so I feel like you get a really good taste of of 
what that lifestyle is and whether it's meant for you or not. And that's one thing I, I loved about the college fishing is that just, it was a good, it was a pretty much good in, like intro, like internship kind of to like what pro fishing is like, because you're pretty much everything that you're doing in college fishing is very similar to what you're doing on the professional level. And, and obviously you have a lot, you can attest to that because you're obviously on the, on the top level right now for the lead series. So uh, kind of go into your experience of, how like how the elite series has been so far and you know kind of go into that because i'm kind of interested to hear of like how your whole rookie season went yeah so i mean going to to like what you what you're talking about yeah i do wish that i would have realized earlier to start only practicing three days some of these events I'd go to like in college or whatever, and I'd pre-fish for like four or five days. And then you end up like really fishing stuff that, you know, you, your own, own memories, you know, what I call them the first day that I got here, all that stuff. Fishing the opens, um, after the, the first open, actually after the second open, whenever I thought that there was a legitimate chance of me qualifying for the elites, I, I went to that, only three-day practice thing and that really helped me out because that's a big jump for a lot of people whenever you go to uh, the St. Lawrence River and you've got three days to break down 118 miles of river <laughs> it, it's hard to do um, yeah. and it, it it makes you learn how to 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 study a, a map and you know things online I mean we have more technology than than ever right now there's no excuse for you to not have a great idea what's going on before you ever get there because there's a there's a section of the river a section of the lake that on most bodies of water is statistically wins and uh so that's how i i go into it and but i mean dude this year on the elites i, I couldn't i couldn't ask for anything better you know we started the year off in florida my home state you know had a bunch of family and friends down there and honestly the first day man i was getting my teeth kicked in like literally, I I think I was in like 61st place. I caught 10 pounds the first day of first day on the job, and uh, I was really contemplating on this. You know, it it kind of had me down, but you know, I, I rallied the next day and I caught 25 and moved up all the way up to to 18th place on the third day, and that really just set the tone for the whole year. Um, I think that if that tournament would have gone differently, my whole season would have gone differently. Because this whole thing's about momentum, positivity. I mean, that stuff is is way more important than a lot of people think. So taking that from the St. John's, I mean, I just I just rode the bike, rode the wave. It was, you know, I, like I couldn't make a bad decision. I was confident in every decision that I made. I fished clean, I fished pure, fished on instinct, and it, and it all worked out. Yeah, did you – you see a big like did you feel a little bit overwhelmed i mean some guy ever there's different opinions of this and and uh things that people have said uh when they first make it on at least elite series of whether they felt overwhelmed or they're like oh geez like whoa now i'm actually competing against you know guys that i've looked up to you but i'm, I'm assuming that obviously like people are listening that don't understand like know that with the the pro opens comparable to elite series is elite series is invite only the pro opens is you can obviously pay for all of them to, to enter them, but you're also competing against the same people as what you would be, who you'd be competing against in the elite series in those opens. So I'm assuming that a lot of the people that 
you're competing against in on the least series are people that you also competed against within the opens, correct? Yeah, yeah, a lot, a, a lot of the elite series guys fished the opens too. But I mean, man, the the first day at the St. John's, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there in my boat waiting on blast off, and there's Rick Clun that's next to me on my left, and there's Mark Menendez on my right, and Bernie Schultz is over there, mm-hmm. and Cliff Prince, and like it was like. I finally made it, you know, like I, I had fished against some of those guys, um, you know, in the opens before, but it was whatever it was, it was that, that morning, whenever it all came like to a head and I finally realized that it, that it actually happened. And it was, it was, I mean, I'm not going to say it was intimidating, but it was, it was, uh, a completely different ball game um just from the the whole the whole fish i mean people that you've like rick klein i I mean he was he was winning bass tournaments before i was born yeah and you know he's got like i mean he was one of the greatest in the world and he's like he put his boat in the same ramp that i did we're about to fish Hmm. the same derby you know that was it was a really awesome experience yeah, well, I think Rick Klein is uh, Rick Klein is a, a pure example of that you can be fishing for the rest of your life because I mean, like the, that guy is like I don't know how old he is now, but I mean he's been fishing for a long. He's been pro for a long time. I mean, I don't know if you know how many years he has been pro, but it's been a long time. Well, the one thing I do know is he fished the first Bassmaster Classic, and that was fifty years ago this yep. year. So there you go. <laughs> that should give you a, a pretty good little. A little point. Uh, that's awesome. Um, what would your advice be to young anglers that are going up through high school and college? Because you went, you went, you've been through it, so you have a good idea of kind of what that all entails when it comes down to uh, it. Fishing is more to be able to be where you need to be on the pro level. You have to get the business side right. Just, I mean, even more than just even just the fishing. And some people have it flopped, you know, and they they look at Oh, I need to go out there and fish. I need to, you know, I need to be this guy. I'm really good at this, you know, and, and, you know, I'm just gonna put a lot of time on the water, but then they neglect the business side of things. Maybe you can shed some light on what it, like what things you need to get right going through that process before you even get to where you're at now. So there's, there's, there's two ways to look at it. And I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Once you make it to the elite, you do not just get sponsorships. Like that's not how it works you still got to, to, to get them yourself. And it really doesn't matter if you just crushed them in the opens and it was a hands down, you know, qualification type thing. It, it doesn't matter. You know, you still got to get the, uh, the sponsors on your own, but you, you've got to catch them to get to that point. So there's a fine line between both of it. And the, the one thing that I, that I would tell young people going up is fish as much as you can and try to start relationships with some of these companies that you want to work with, like before you ever fish the opens or anything like that. And I'm not talking about, you know, going and uh, sending something to this company and, you know, tell them, help me, uh, let me help you grow your brand. But you're, I mean, you can't really do that. All right. You're a Hmm. high school kid. So that really just, Whenever you send something like that to a sponsor, you, you automatically get overseen. 
but you send something to a sponsor and you're like, Hey, Mr. Joe, I just really wanted to tell you, I love your, uh, your, your jig that you have the football jig. It's got the perfect hook set or hook size with that. You know, the, the skirts are great. They're all hand tied. I really appreciate, you know, how much time y'all, y'all put in these. I would really like to, uh, to grow, grow a relationship with you. That right there sets you apart from the other 95 kids that contacted that company for a sponsorship. And if you want to take it a step further, you go to ICAST. All right. When you go to ICAST, don't be in a jersey that has a whole bunch of, bunch of companies on it that you're in high school for and go to talk to other companies. Dress up nice. Wear a collar shirt. Wear some, some khaki pants, some dress shoes, you know, comb your hair act professional in there and it'll set you apart from from everybody else um the thing right now what's happening is these these youtube channels these youtube channels are really setting people apart and if you could get on it right now on the high school side of everything then you would be more valuable whenever i mean because there's going to be hundreds of of you you know hundreds of good fishermen hundreds of good high school guys that that all just want to want to get something for free or want to get a discount on it or whatever and that's not what you're looking for you're you're trying to make this a career and trying to to build a relationship with these companies that'll that whenever the time comes they're ready to go you know they'll sign they'll sign a check and it's no problem because they know you actually use their product and it's not just about the money or anything like that you have a relationship with them that was the the hardest thing about this this whole this whole industry is the the line between actual fishing and and your impressions and likes and you know your companies that I really um, it, it's really frustrating you know you could be a really great fisherman and not a very good social media person and somebody that doesn't fish as good as you is better at social media and mm-hmm. they beat you to it. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And that's, that's one thing that I even tell guys that are on the MLF, FLW, Bass, they, about monetizing the brand. And those guys, there's a lot of guys that still don't quite do that, even when they're on the, the pro level. And if high school, college, anglers can start early. And that's one thing of, like, I look at my own personal brand of, like, building it up from, from day one way, way long time ago in 2013. So you look all the way of like, you got to build that. It takes years to build things like that. You look at Brandon Polonek, for example. Uh, I remember when he first got started of, of like, hey, I got to get this camera guy. I'm going to have this, I'm going to invest money in this. And obviously the thing is, is that by investing money into people to be able, like obviously not everybody has the money just sitting around to get a camera guy, but those are things that you slowly gradually move into. But the thing is, is that, you have to be able to invest money to make money and to make more money uh, within your sport and as an individual and market yourself. Because the thing is, it's not about just, I know a lot of guys that could definitely make it, but they just don't, they, they don't care about social media. They don't care about monetizing it. And then you see some of the best anglers never really make it. And you don't hear about those guys that have tried to make it multiple times, but it never worked out. But it's only because it's like those companies that you develop relationships with long time ago it's having those long-term relationships that are going to get you to where you need to get to and they're investing in you. But the thing is, it's like, you're not just investing in you just to fish. 
some of these guys, you don't even have to even win a tournament. But if you have your marketing right and you have your marketing hat on, now it's going to change the whole entire game for you and the trajectory of where you end up. Without a doubt. And the camera guy thing, you don't have to have a camera guy. No. GoPros, um, you know, you, you put a GoPro on, take a GoPro around everywhere you go, every time you fish, record everything. Because, I mean, people just want to see it every day, like life, what, how stuff goes. You, you got your computer. Um, I have a Mac. It came, it comes downloaded with uh, the iMovie on there. Cut and edit your own stuff. I mean, and work up to that, you know. Uh, Hunter Shryock, he, I mean, he edits, films all of his own videos, does all that by himself, and and he's he's killing it. I mean, he's one of the best that there is at it, um, yes. and he does that all while on the road fishing. So, so you can't tell me that you don't have time for it because um, you're out there fishing because you do have time for it, but. It's something that sets you apart from the other hundred anglers on the elite series um, that that makes a difference. And if you can do that before you ever get there, then you're you're already two steps ahead of the game. Yeah, and that's one thing that I was even telling Brian Robinson yesterday on a podcast. I was like, I have brought some some big some bigger companies within uh, sponsoring some of the guys on some of the other tours and. And the thing is, is that they've had very strong YouTube channels. They've had strong media presence. And the thing is, is like, I know what companies are looking for. Um, me owning my own brand and seeing what I'm looking for with my own brand that I started is, you know, it's just like, what, what would I look for is what other people are looking for too, that are not endemic that want to get into the sport and are like, okay, well, we don't really care that. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny when you listen to it, cause it's like, they don't really care if you're winning tournaments nonstop, they care about what your presence is on social media and other media platforms to be able to reach diverse audiences to get their their brand name out there and they'll pay lots of money. I mean, you got to think about marketing dollars. If you find the right companies, they have lots of marketing dollars to contribute uh, that helps for some tax write-off purposes and and so forth. But finding those, it's just like you can't get those that easy if you don't have a media presence. And so the thing is, is like they, all they see is like, okay, you're going to put the name on the, on the boat. You're gonna put the name on the Jersey, but you might take some, you know, it might take some like vlogs, whatever, and, and talk about it, but that's not enough. Like you have to be able to put the time and there's, there's time where you are sitting when you're not fishing. So what are you doing in that time when you're not fishing tournaments? That's what's going to dictate obviously of whether you, you stay or whether you get cut eventually and you just can't be able to do it because you can't pay for it so even if you make the elite series you make the mlf you make the flw tour it doesn't matter which one it is the thing is is like it's not solidified in exactly what you said from the beginning it doesn't mean that everything is just set at that point it means now i got to get to work exactly yeah you're only half the battle done <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's the that's the thing where you know i i look back man and i'm me going back to Idaho after Florida state, you know, I'm just like, I really, I thought about wanting to pursue. And I, I that's the reason why I went down to Florida state was because I, I knew that I had all the resources and I, and having all the bodies of water around me and the people behind me, I, I, I felt like that was something where I, I knew I wanted to be able to follow the footsteps of Brandon because Brandon's like a bigger brother to me. And so I just was like, all right, well, I really want to go after this. And I'm like, you know what, this ain't my time right now. You know, I really want to go on and create, brands that can give back to all those communities and bring more exposure to the sports that I love and that built me. But maybe later on when, when things go right, you know, for myself and it can just organically just go into that 
is better for me. And so I just thought, I just think about self-awareness when people, and that's what me and Brent Ayler have talked about too, is just self-awareness. It's like knowing of whether, okay, is it the right time for me to do it? Or am I just going deep in head first and I'm going to set myself up for failure? Because the thing is, it's like, you can really put yourself in a, in a hole by going after something that isn't the right time. You know what I'm saying? Cause there's certain guys that can make it, but they don't want to wait for it. They don't want to wait for a couple of years to make sure they get their finances right. Not go into debt, not rack up the credit cards or whatever. And they need to be able to build their content, build their media presence. They need to make sure they have the money in the bank. They make sure they're doing it right before they just, you know, dive head first into it. Yeah, I, I can completely agree. Um, we see it every year, you know, there's a couple of people that have qualified for the elites three or four times and whether it's, they just don't want to do it or they don't have the, the, the sponsors to do it. Um, personally, uh, I, I had no backup plan that I was going to do it. I didn't, didn't care what, how it was going to happen, what I had to do to do it. Um, it was, I was going all in. There was no, uh, I had no, no, I, I felt like if I had a backup plan, then I wasn't going to give a hundred percent to begin yep. to begin with. Exactly. Um, yep. so I just, I went, went for it and, yeah. So obviously it's worked out so far and I, I feel like I could make this a, a career and hopefully it's a, you know, a, a life, lifelong career that maybe whenever I'm 109, like Rick Fun, I could still be 50. <laughs> hopefully you ain't listening to that one. You make him feel old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but you could see and you could see in your nature though, man. Like I, I like just even spending time around you and seeing how, dedicated you were to it and and it, that nature lives with within every single guy that I've even brought on the podcast that I know personally as a as a really good friend the guys that are on the highest level that that nature lives within those certain guys and you hear it a lot where there was no plan b plan c plan d it was pretty much plan a and if you had plan b you were distracting yourself and so the thing is is that everybody's stories are different of how they made it but I would say that there's that same you know nature aspect within each single dude is why they made it to where they got to. It's not like they just got lucky. I, I replace the lucky word with fortunate because you put the time forth. Okay, there's thousands and thousands of people trying to make it just as much as you are, but you put the time forth, you know, and you have to always adapt to different variables. You have to always, like, that's one thing I have a appreciation for the sport of fishing, only because it's, there's so many variables. There's so many things that happens to where you have to be able to adapt and evolve. And if you don't adapt and evolve, so, you know, it is what it is. You probably ain't going to make it that far. And so the thing is, is like, there's so much that goes on the back end uh, that people don't get to see. And, you know, that's one thing that's been cool to, to watch your journey and to see you actually like make it all the way through. Because I mean, that's not an easy thing, man. It's, it's one of the hardest things and people will try all their lives to try to make it happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, and yeah, this, this is the only sport that has way more variables that you can't control than variables that you can control. And that's what is, I mean, it's, it, that's why it's so brutal. That's why, that's why you know, it, it happens like it does. Cause I mean, first off, you got mother nature that, you know, it's not like, you know, basketball, you go play basketball, you're, you're going to have a court. You're going to have a goal. You're going to have a ball. You know, you know that already with this deal. I mean, everything can change in, in a heartbeat and that that's why it's, it's it's almost like a drug really 
Oh, it is. It really is, man. <laughs> it's it's kind of like one of those deals. It's once I try to tell all these these guys that are in never other sports of like right when you why when you get into it, man, you're gonna get addicted to this thing and it will consume you and it's like a drug that you just it, it's like the best drug to be honest with you. But I told last night I was sitting with my dad because he just uh, sealed his grand slam yesterday. I don't know if you saw that, but um, yeah, I did see that. that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. I was just like I was very proud of him because he uh, he literally just went down for. He's like, yeah, I haven't seen anything for about yeah. Well, the guys that were down there in Mexico haven't seen anything for about three weeks, and other hunters have had some troubles uh, getting a desert sheep, and he gets it in two days. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. I'm like, and he finally sealed the sealed the deal on it, and I'm just like, that's like one of the biggest accomplishments that a hunter can have, but. Uh, this whole moral of the whole story though, I was, I'm sitting there in my, my, we were talking about fishing and I was talking about the podcast of how there's a, there's a resemblance and correlation amongst all of them of like how they, they made it. And then I also said, my fiance is sitting right next to me and <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's a good thing that I sold my bass boat for it before I came down here, but I also looking for a new bass boat to get while I'm down here in Arizona. So the thing is, is like, if I end up getting a bass boat, you probably ain't going to see me for a little while. I told my fiance that. So just be glad I don't have a bass boat right now because I'll probably be gone most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's a whole, whole another deal there is, you know, um, you know, this is a very, very tough sport to, to have a family and, you know, to, to grow a family in. And it, it, I mean, it takes a, special person to deal with this crap, you know, being gone all the time, being on the road and, uh, that, I mean, having somebody like that, that, you know, can, that understands and, you know, is behind you is, is a tremendous help as well. Yeah. And you have a lot of guys that give contribute to their significant other for understanding their lifestyle. Cause it's not an easy thing for anybody to understand when you're, in any sport, I, I don't, I would just feel like the thing is with bass fishing that makes it kind of different than others is that you're on the road a lot. You're on the road a lot and it's just you. And sometimes you, you can't just bring your, I mean, when you have family, kids, everything else, it's not like you just dragging them all over the place. I know some guys will fly them in, whatever, but when you're in the first few years of your pro career, it's not that easy. And it's something that it's very hard for, for people that, have families before and then they try to make it and then make, and then going into that big shock mode where it's like whoa geez I don't know like this is like you know I've never dealt with this now because now I have like a, a wife and kids before I even went professional and that you hear that a lot because some guys didn't have all of that before they started they didn't have anything really so they didn't have nothing to lose so they're like they'll have their significant other but when you have kids and you have all those other, like, kids at different ages and then, and then you try to go professional it becomes a little bit more it becomes more difficult to really adapt and evolve with that lifestyle because it's a, it's a shock to your whole family. It really is. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, what's one of, what would you say is one of your most memorable tournaments that you had throughout your whole entire fishing career? Um, whenever I won the, uh, the Federation championship on, on Lake Okeechobee, that was, that's probably one of the most memorable memorable tournaments I've ever had and it was uh, almost like a Cinderella story type thing <laughs> uh so I had uh fished it all through high school um this was my senior year and I had come in 
second, twice, third, once, and this was my last year. And the first day at Oak Cherry, I caught six pounds. I mean, like, how do you do this, you know? And I knew I was I was better than that. I just don't know what happened. And on the way in stage, the guy's like, so what, what are you going to do tomorrow? And I told him straight up, I said, not that. <laughs> and um, the next day, I caught the, the biggest bag I've ever weighed in a tournament. I caught uh, 32-3-6 and, wow. and came back to win. And that sent me to, you know, nationals and all that stuff. And, and it was game on from then. Yeah, I still haven't even got a chance to even fish Okeechobee, which is something unfortunate when – you, when I've lived in Florida for a little bit over a year or or so, but that was one place that I still regret not going to because that was the one place that I've always wanted to fish. So it just looks like a big old pond and you, and I've just like, I've seen just cool, cool things from people that, you know, post videos and everything else of that body of water. But what would you say is, would you say Okeechobee is your favorite out of Florida or do you, would you say there's other lakes that are more your favorite than that? Um, in Florida, I would say the old Okeechobee was, was definitely my, my favorite. Um, I don't think it's as, as good as it was or as it used to be. Um, it's in one of those funks right now, but back in, you know, five, 10 years ago, Okeechobee was definitely, definitely my favorite. Cause I mean, dude, you could just absolutely wreck them, you know, <laughs> and I mean, you'd catch a hundred of them, you know, or you could go catch, you know, five, seven pounders slipping and whatever you want to do, you could go do it. And that, that was uh, the best, but my favorite lake that I've fished so far would, would be a Lake Hartwell. Um, really? South Carolina. That I, I just really like that lake. Um, the, the spots in largemouth live together and they, you know, the largemouth act like spots and, <laughs> it's, it's a really fun, fun place to fish. Um, and obviously I did, did pretty well there um, whenever we went this past year. But I mean, even before that, when I went and pre-practiced there and there was awesome. I, mean, I was catching, you know, a couple of spots and then you catch a five pound largemouth all suspended in like 75 foot of water. It's just crazy. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever bass fished in Mexico before? I have not. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to do a trip like that, Drew. We're going to make it happen. I'm all about it. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> you're going to talk about largemouth act like spots. <laughs> that, that's these, these bass down there, and they're, some of them are northern strain and some of them are Florida strain, which is quite interesting because I would have I thought in my head that I was like, in Mexico, they got to be Florida strain bass. Well, these, these northern strains, I mean, you're catching like, up to a hundred fish like i mean your hands are getting tired the whole entire time because i mean they're all over four pounds okay and they go all the way up to like 14 pounds 14 15 pounds and the thing is is that they don't get a whole lot of they get i mean they don't get so much pressure down there just because a lot of people don't have bass boats so the thing is is like i go down there with some of my major league baseball buddies and um, one of the guys that uh one of the dads of one of those guys that's my best friend he uh he's been he's a five-time world series champ he's older he played in like the 70s uh eight and 80s uh for the yankees and the mets and so he always goes down there he's been going down there for 30 years and 
we went to this, uh, I think it's like Lake Obregon or even how to say it's about three and a half hours uh, kind of southeast from San Carlos, Mexico. But they have a bass boat that's, that's an old bass boat that just sits there. And they just pretty much, it's like a little gated community and it's pretty safe. Um, once you go down to like Sinaloa, down to like uh, Baccarat, like Baccarat and all the rest of those places that most of the, the people go down to, you have to be a little bit on your game because now you're in more of that drug cartel area to where there's not a whole lot that you can be shielded around. So it's like you really have to be on your game. But here, you're, I mean, it, it's crazy, dude. Like it, they're all northern strains, most of them. They're now introducing Florida strains in there. But the thing is, is that these northern strains, I mean, they fight. Like, it was just – it's just crazy, dude. So, you throw you, – all you're doing is burning rattle traps. You're just trying to reel it in fast enough because by the time it hits that water, you're catching one. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, you would love it. It just – it was my first experience last March, but except for that I had to get surgery in Mexico um, because I got a catfish barb stuck in my toe. So, that was not – Oh, God. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that was uh, probably one of the interesting stories – of my first experience down in Mexico where I catch a catfish on a rattle trap and the catfish are absolutely nasty. I'm not a big catfish fan when, when you catch them or snag them, whatever. So I end up trying to get the dang thing off. The catfish drops on the deck, try kicking. I, I tried kicking it and I had closed toe Nike shoes. So the thing is, is I wasn't wearing flip-flops or I wasn't barefoot either, but I tried just kind of kicking it up off, off the deck because I didn't want to grab it because it was nasty. And the catfish bar went straight Lodged into my toe, and it was an inch and a half long catfish barb. Damn. Yeah. That's, so. Mm. Yeah. Mm. No bueno, man. No bueno. You don't want yeah. that. No you don't kidding. want to stay away from catfish down there in Mexico. But we'll have to definitely make a trip there because it was something where, yeah, it, it's just unbelievable, man. When you can go down there and just have a great time, but there's guys catching really big fish. I mean, you're throwing huge swim baits too um, at certain times of the year to where, I mean, you could throw a freaking 12 inch plus swim bait and they're still hammering it down even the even the two pounders yeah yeah that's crazy yeah so this is quite interesting i always ask this on a lot of the podcasts the guys and sometimes they can answer it sometimes they can't because they don't know there's so many of them but what's your funniest or craziest story you've had fishing well <laughs> the the first open of of my career uh, first day of practice i was flipping and uh set the hook on a on a fish and the weight came back and i shattered my jawbone knocked out oh. three teeth and and uh oh I, I, I fished the the rest of the practice in the tournament with with my front tooth out and my nose my nerve exposed and uh took me about a year and a half to, to get a new tooth back in there after the, I had to do uh, the reconstructive surgery for my jawbone oh. and uh, bone grafts and all that stuff. But yeah, that, uh. that's definitely the, um, the, the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. I didn't even know that was even, I mean, that, that doesn't uh, scare some listeners about, getting a nice old weight kind of slung back. I mean, that I don't know what does, man. I mean, that's, I've had that happen where my, my, uh, my dad's set the hook and we're in a team tournament and he sets the hook. Luckily I had uh, glasses on, but it went straight through the tungsten. It was like just a quarter ounce freaking tungsten weight. He sets the hook and he sets the hook so dang hard. Like I'm like, I almost feel like he's just like 
I mean, so much power within it. He, it comes right out of the water, hits me through it, breaks my glasses, and luckily it just gave me it gave me a black eye. But it, it went and hit my it hit like right around my eye to hit straight in. But if it hit my eye, it would definitely took my eye out. No joke. Like it shot oh, yeah. glasses. Okay. Yeah, same here. <laughs> I uh, never knew how much damage one of those things could do. And it, I mean, it, it took me a little while to, uh, to to get back to set the hook like I needed to, but it, it all worked out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. Especially a tooth injury thing. I mean, that, that's like the teeth and jaw. Like, I mean, that's like the worst. It's pretty brutal. It, it was really tough, you know, being down there you know, away and finding stuff to eat. Like I ate mashed potatoes for like five days. <laughs> that was all I could eat. <laughs> uh, I can just vision this right now. <laughs> uh, what, um, one thing, another thing that I ask for people that always come to me and, and that come from all different worlds, cultures, sports, they asked me, Hey man, like what should I buy or what should I have like as necessities when I first start out fishing? And so I always ask this on the podcast to people I bring on, uh, what would be your advice of the like necessities of like, you don't need 20 rods you don't need all this stuff, but what's the necessities that you think they should have, um, to be well-rounded just to start out for fishing gear wise. I mean, uh, with with fishing stuff is just just like a lot of things you, you know you get what you pay for um and instead of getting you know 10 cheaper rods and reels and having more rods and reels if you get you know i would say like four four rods and reels um i would do you know one spinning rod uh, i prefer the dobbins rods i'm actually coming out with a signature line uh, next year so but i would i would have a spinning rod um and a spinning reel and i would have like a a seven three crankbait rod uh you know you could throw everywhere from round trap square bills all the way to you know deep diving crankbait plugs uh i would have like a uh seven four seven three uh worm rod like a like a four power rod that's just you know the texas rig jig um swim bait you know whatever and that's really all all you would need is, is those three rods and you could you i mean i felt like i could i could fish a lot of tournaments with with just those three rods um obviously we take it a little extreme it's, <laughs> you know, I always have everything that's on the front deck. I've got a, another one in the box tied up, ready to go, just in case something happens. But um, those three rods, you could do whatever whatever you wanted to. But I mean, if you get quality rods and reels, they'll they'll last you. If you get you know cheaper stuff, then you know it, it's not going to last as long. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. I mean, yeah, initially it's it's more expensive, but in the, in the long run, it's it's cheaper to do it that way instead of buying three different rods and reels, you know, every year. You know, you get three and they last you for for four years until you really get into it and want to make that next step and you know start making your wife mad. Yeah, 
Well, I compare it to truck tires of like <clears throat> reels. And it sounds weird when I say this and make a comparison and make an example here, but it's like, if you buy cheap tires, obviously those tires are going to end up going bad and you're going to have to get new ones. So the thing is, is you're actually going to spend more money in a short amount of time by replacing those tires um, rather than just getting good tires that are going to last about seven, 60 to 70,000 miles. Same thing with like, if you look at reels with the bearings and what those bearings are made out of within the reels, it's like, okay, if you get like, for example, you see people that really go towards the Abbe Garcia route, they get the black max or they get like the, you know, the cheap ones and, it, and they're like, Oh, it's a good deal. It's like 50 bucks. It's like, okay, well, here's the thing. The $50 reel can still work decent. It's not as smooth as obviously the expensive ones when you're casting and flipping or whatever. But the thing is, is that those bearings eventually break. And so the thing is, is that you're actually going through those if you're using them a lot, like you're going to go through those $50 reels multiple times. I remember this when I was younger in high school and I had those the cheaper reels when I first started out. And I'm like, I went through so many of them. I had so many bearings break to where I was already spending probably up towards past 200 bucks within like a short amount of, of time. When you, you look at like the, the older reels that were expensive, like the Shimano Corrado, like the Corrado's. Like the Corrados are like the ones with the old school Corrados. You probably know what I'm talking about. Those things oh, yeah. have lasted. Like my dad still runs with those things. And it's been like, I swear, it's been like 15 years. They've still been running the same it, reel. I've got some some Shimano Citicas, the D series from whenever I was in fifth grade that I <laughs> still have that still work. I mean, <laughs> you can't you can't beat that. No, no, no. I mean, that's, that's the part where if you have nice, at least quality, it's like you're buying the quality at the end of the day. It's not about just like, oh, uh, well, this looks like this looks nice. I mean, it's just really, you got to understand of what you're buying and what it's, what it's going to do for you long-term. Cause <clears throat> if you have to keep replacing your stuff every year, then you're really, it's all going to add up to where you're spending more in the long run. I mean, short, short term, yeah. you don't, you don't really think about it. It's with anything that you're a consumer of, obviously. Without a doubt. Yeah. But, and, and yeah, with everything you get what you pay for, for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, what passions do you have outside of the sport of fishing? Love hunting, man. I love it. And, uh, you know, fortunately for, for this, this gig, you know, our off season, which is not really an off season, but it, when we don't have to travel, it's, you know, it's deer season, it's deer season at home right now. And, I, I love deer hunting. You know, we've got, we've got some land that's about 15 or 20 minutes from, from my house. Um, got about 1600 acres and had it for about five years. And it's not really the hunting thing. It's the, the growing the deer. So like I have, you know, names for all these deer. Mm -hmm. I, I spend so much time, uh, you know, with, with food plots, summer, fall, uh, you know, protein, everything running trail cameras you know taking you getting pictures and like i make folders for every deer and you know it uh it that that's what i love and this year um you know we're in florida i killed the the biggest deer i've ever killed in my life uh you know, two weeks ago and it's a six-year-old deer in florida 143 inch deer and wow. it was just because i mean i had you know, I've known the deer for, for five years. <laughs> you know, I've had trail camera pictures of him for five years. And it was like the, a cat and mouse game that, that was 
really cool. And just to grow him was, was even better and to have history with him. Yeah. The, the fishing, um, but I mean, outside of, of freshwater fishing and, and hunting, uh, I do a, a lot of offshore fishing. Uh, my dad's really big into that. Grew up doing that too. Um, so we fish, you know, we go fish for marlin and tuna, dolphin, wahoo, and all that stuff. But besides that, that's that's about that's about it. <laughs> hunting yeah. and fishing, really. Oh yeah. Uh, what kind of have you hunted anything else besides deer? Oh yeah. I mean, I I love turkey hunting, but the uh, you know March and and April for us are like the busiest times ever fishing wise. So I, I don't get to do as much turkey hunting as I used to. Um, I do do a good bit of quail hunting and duck hunting, um, you know, dove hunting, just everything around here. I've never traveled really to 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 do any hunting like elk hunting or anything like that. But oh, we're gonna have to get you to do it. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to rope you into that one too. Give you a little West Coast experience there, Drew. I'm I'm applying for New Mexico tags. This Are year, you? So. Oh, for oh, yeah. Bull elk? Yeah. Yeah, are you applying for muzzleloader or archery? Archery. Archery. Yeah. Well, yeah, my dad uh, actually got really, I think it was about 388, seven by eight bull and muzzleloader on public just last year. That's awesome. Yeah, there's big bulls, man. <laughs> big bulls in New Mexico. I mean, obviously, it's just like the biggest bulls come out of, I mean, Arizona is just like, gold obviously if you get an elk tag in arizona but new mexico it's easier to get one in new mexico and obviously then you have utah nevada but there's a lot of big mule deer in sonora mexico which i'm supposed to do a mule deer hunt with my dad not this january but the next january uh for archery and these are like 180 to over 200 inch plus deer yeah yeah, <laughs> big deer. Oh yeah, no. They and the thing is, is like the, it's just free range. I mean, it's like nothing's like this is all. I mean, they're, obviously it's a ranch, but at the same time, it's like they can freely go when they want. I mean, obviously it's just like they just obviously feed them. But the thing is, is that they they come in, they come out. But the thing is, is like they have trail cams where you can see what the size. They're about in the one eighties last year, so they're going to be over. I mean, that's the place we're going to go if you really want to. 200 inch plus mule deer and that's one thing my my dad's like all right i got the grand slam done you know and that's one thing is is that obviously that's a huge accomplishment for grand slam because it's not easy obviously i mean it costs so much money to hunt sheep that i don't know if people realize of how much money you spend and it's not a guarantee it's not like nothing's high fence it's like well you're gonna pay uh at least 100 grand some people might get away with paying at least 70 but the thing is is that you go out there you're not guaranteed and if it doesn't happen, it is what it is. Like it goes back into conservation, obviously. But, you know, once he's done with that, he's like, all right, I got I got a, my biggest bull, which is over, I think it's about four, I think about 410, 412 for a score out of Wyoming. And that was his biggest, that was his biggest bull that was on public that he ended up riding horses into. It's in, it was probably, it was around November time when he got it uh, two years back. So he has his elk, he has his, grand slam he's got his goats so now he's really on the pursuit for the mule deer and that's one thing that we definitely got to get you over here on the on the west coast especially doing an archery hunt during uh uh the rut 
for elk, which is over the counter in, in Northern Idaho, which you're, I mean, there's a lot of 300 plus bulls running around too. So it's, it's one of those things is like, it's, it's cool where you can just get it over the counter in Idaho and get just as big as a bull than you would get somewhere else that you have to now yeah. put in for a special unit. So yeah, I'm, I'm all any, anything that you can call in. I love to hunt. <laughs> so I love turkey hunting, you know, duck hunting, all that stuff. Call them in elk hunting is just like turkey hunting on steroids. <laughs> so I'm in. Yeah. It's addicting, man. It's addicting. Um, it's kind of closing the podcast, brother. Uh, what would be your advice to people that aren't in this, that they haven't entered the sport yet. They don't know anything about it, but if they want to be able to get a part of it, what can, what can the competitive side or the recreational side and bass fishing as whole be able to provide to them in their life? I mean, honestly, you know, anything with the, with the outdoors is, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that are the same age as me that did the, you know, went to the same schools that, that got mixed up with a lot of the wrong people and, you know, ended up, ruining their lives and i really think that one of the reason that i you know didn't go down that path was because of bass fishing because of fishing in the outdoors altogether. it you know my my friday nights i was uh you know rigging tackle and getting stuff ready i wasn't out you know partying and you know getting mixed up with the wrong crowd and i think anytime that you can you can take somebody and show them something new in the outdoors is a great opportunity that they won't get mixed up in that crowd and get into the drugs and all that stuff. Because I mean, dude, when you start competitive bass fishing, you couldn't buy drugs if you wanted to. <laughs> all, I mean, that is your drug. All your extra money is going to towards fishing. And so that, that would be one thing that I really, really am fortunate for that, that I was introduced to this and it, you know, helped me be a good person and not, you know, get caught up in all the bad stuff. Well said, well said. That is like the one thing that I tell people of why you can't find anything that I've ever done bad uh, with, with the law, with, with substances or anything else is, is because I was never hanging around the wrong people because nobody understood why, I wanted to stay in on a Friday night so I can get up at 3.30 a.m. and, you know, go drive into a lake hours away or whatever and fish all day or fish for multiple days. And you don't really – you lose a lot of people along the way throughout that, but you also keep yourself out of trouble. And that's what's cool about it. It's like I don't want to be sitting around because the moment you sit around and you don't have something like the outdoors to be able to provide to you – and I get like basketball, football, all these other things, but you still find time when you're off season, right? So – what do you do in that off time that keeps you out of that trouble? And you see, start seeing that some of the even most successful mainstream athletes, they hunt and fish. Look at most, all these major league baseball players. A lot of them fish and hunt in the off time. They'll, a lot of times I look at their stuff and they're, they're sitting in a dang tree stand half the time, like when they're not training or doing anything. And it's, it's cool to see that because it, it keeps those people out of trouble, whether on the highest level or whether they're going through high school, college, whatever. And the thing is, is that not caring what other people have to think, like who cares what they think, do what you do. And the thing is, is that you'll keep yourself out of that trouble, out of the wrong crowds to where even if you're not trying to go professional and fishing, 
you still have like that all will benefit you later on in life based off of just keeping yourself out of that trouble to where you have no dirt on you at the end of the day, because everybody's looking at, okay, who was this guy back then? And the thing is, is like, that's one thing I think the outdoors is it kept me out of a lot of things. Like I think it to this day, and that's the reason why I'm going to want to get back to it because the thing is, is like, it was because of that and the people that I hung around to where it's like, if you put yourself around guys like you put yourself around other guys that like to do the same things, it's like, we all hold each other accountable of like, Hey, we got to do this. Okay. We're out here going to go fishing and we're going to go do this. And so the thing is, is that that kind of gets you in your own little group of people. And it's not like a groupy click thing, but it's a matter of if somebody doesn't see it the same way and they want to go drinking and do drugs and do all these things and get themselves in, in trouble, that's just not your thing. Cause you're looking at them like they're crazy, but then they're looking at you like you're crazy. I'm like, Oh, this is funny. <laughs> and then you don't hear yeah. about those people anymore. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, is like, it, it helps in so many aspects and it was very well said, brother. I love that. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Anytime, man. Uh, if people don't already follow you, Drew, where can they find you on your social media platforms? So you can go to Facebook and Instagram and follow at Drew Cook Fishing. Um, our YouTube channel is fixing to, to be uploaded um, here in the next few weeks. It's called The Cut Line. Um, it's a YouTube series with me and Drew Benton, um, kind of showing you what it's like to to be on the road as a the ups and downs of professional fishermen and, you know, what all we go through and everything. And so... We're going to get that going. We'll have, a, you know, a, every tournament will have its own video, and it'll also be be on the Mossy Oak Go app. Uh, so be looking for that here in the future. And, yeah, go give my Instagram and Facebook a like. Awesome. Love it. Can't wait to check out the YouTube thing too, man. That's It's good that you're, you're getting involved in that. And, you know, that's going to be a huge thing and a huge asset to you going forward. So, Yeah, I definitely anyway. think it's going to open some doors. Yeah, no, it definitely will, man. So, yeah, I thank you, man, for coming on the podcast, taking time out of your day. And honestly, I'm proud of you and seeing all that you've accomplished, you know, thus far. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for you in, in the sport. Well, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, anytime, anytime you need it, I'm, I'm here. Hey, I'm going to make a trip over there, and we're going to do vice versa. I'm going to come over to you. We're going to go do some things in the off season. Maybe if it's not this, this obviously, up in, you know, you're gearing up for your season. But after your off season, I'm going to come that way, and I'm going to drag you all the way over here. We're going to do a Mexico fishing trip, and then we're also going to do some, some big game hunting on the West Coast. So give a little bit of taste of both worlds. So Sounds like a plan to me. Just let me know when. All righty. Sounds good, brother. Well, we'll talk soon. All right, Lodge, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, bye. All right, bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Lodge Trip Show. If you enjoyed listening, go subscribe to my channel so you can stay updated on our new shows that will drop every week. We look forward to bringing much more successful professionals on the show to get to know their story and bring inspiration and the key tools you can develop for yourself to crush your goals and level up in your lives.